Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, going in the vault today, I'm bringing out one of my Hall of Fame episodes. This is a, this is a great one. It's from last year. It's called The Happy Lymphoma Dog. It is with my uh, good friend, uh, veterinary oncologist, Dr. Sue Ettinger, known across the interwebs as Dr. Sue Cancer Vet. And we're talking about what we can do for our lymphoma patients. Guys, I personally have found this episode to be extremely useful in my own practice. And I would like to uh, share it with you just to get it back top of mind. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame. With Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, welcome, my dear friend, Dr. Sue Ettinger. Thanks for being here. An honor, Dr. Andy Rourke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, uh, thank you for, uh, well, first of all, again, this is becoming a theme as me thanking amazing people for what they do for our profession. But um, the uh, the Why Wait Aspirate campaign that you have uh, put on over the last couple of years is just is wonderful. And you know that you've influenced my thoughts on aspirating lumps and bumps. And just uh, thank you for what you do. And you have been a huge supporter of that. You did a yeah. Kona Shame video right back in the beginning of it. At the very beginning. Yes, I did. Actually, I put it on the old Kona Shame, which was on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So definitely. Thank All right. Well, cool. Well, hey, um, I have a game that I like to play called How Do You Treat That? Are you ready to play? Oh, of course. All right, cool. Here's what I got. So I have in one of my exam rooms here, I have a happy seven-year-old female spade golden retriever named Greta. And Greta is here for check lumps. And mom and dad, when they pet Greta, because Greta is one of those dogs who sits next to you and like nudges your hand with her head. Um, they, uh, as they pet her head and head and head and head, they at some point kind of reach around and they felt this lump on her neck. And, uh, and, and dad thinks it's, it's normal and mom doesn't, but, uh, she's got a lump on her neck. And so they brought Greta in for that check lump and Sue, it is not normal. Um, so I, uh, so the happy dog bouncing around seven years old, I get in there. Sure enough, she didn't have one lump. She's got two lumps, uh, on, you know, they're symmetrical on, on, on her neck under her jaw. And so I asked them if I could aspirate. And so I poked this dog and I don't like what I'm looking at. I've got, um, it looks to me like lymphoid cells, kind of dividing cells, clumped up chrominid, you know, all the, all the funky stuff that I don't like to see. So, I mean, I'm not, I hate to make a diagnosis. I'm not a pathologist, you know, uh, but it definitely doesn't look good to me. Um, I'm feeling like this is, I, I feel like this is a lymphoma dog and I don't want to break their heart. Um, okay, so I, I need to talk to them and go tell them what, what I'm thinking and what their options are. Why don't you walk me through that? How do you, how do you treat that? Well, you got, you know, said check lumps. So you had me, you had me at hello. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a pretty classic case, right? So, and I'm assuming that her other lymph nodes were enlarged as well. Her prescaps and popliteals, everything was I up. Didn't, I didn't find those. I just, I just found okay. that. I just found that. Yeah. So, you know, usually, so for our lymphoma dogs, multiple lymph nodes are up. And so just one of my tips about dogs with lymphomas real quick is if the other lymph nodes are up, if the 
prescaps and the popliteals, I usually will not aspirate the mandibulars because those drain the mouth and those can be more reactive. But if just the mandibulars are up, go ahead and aspirate those. But cool. yeah, that's, so that's a great, that's a great tip. Cool. Yeah. But sometimes it's just going to be the mandibular ones that are up and you're going to aspirate those. So if I'm suspicious of the cytology being lymphoma, um, I usually, even as an oncologist, will send them out to the lab because if we're about to commit a dog to a diagnosis of lymphoma and chemotherapy, I do like to have the cytologist at a lab to confirm it. But yeah, so, you know, so we want to walk through these owners, you know, the diagnosis of lymphoma. And this is like one of the, and you and I have lectured on this, like this is one of the hardest conversations. You're going to walk in the room and tell these owners that you're suspicious, that they're happy Happy, 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 right? This yeah, dog is eating exactly, well, yeah. asymptomatic, so no mm-hmm. clinical signs that their dog with lymphoma, that their dog, their healthy dog probably has lymphoma and the median survival time without treatments one month. So you're going to tell them oh. that they're happy, right? You're yeah, going to break their heart, Andy. Oh, this is, oh, stop. This is going to suck. So, you know, I say this is a really crappy cancer, but it's also a very treatable cancer. So 90% of dogs that go on a multi-agent chemotherapy will go into remission. Really high response rates. And 80 to 90% of dogs that get treated with chemotherapy have no side effects. So we have to talk about that. So even though the survival times without treatment suck, the median survival times with chemotherapy are a year and 20. So 50% of the dogs are alive at a year and 25% of the dogs are alive at two years. So that's a huge difference, especially yeah. when we think about how long a dog lives. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so for me and you, when we go see an oncologist, they talk about five year survival time. So when I think about a dog living a year, I think that's a really significant improvement in their quality of life. Right. So, you know, before we start talking about the different chemotherapy protocols and the diagnostics, I think we just have to really get the owners like into understanding the difference between no treatment and treatment and the quality of life that these dogs have while they're on treatment. Because again, when you walk in the room and tell them lymphoma and chemotherapy, they're going to start to think about all the things that we think about with people and poor quality of life. And, and a lot of people will tell you the general practitioner, I'll never treat my dog. Mm -hmm. And then they don't even want to, you know, if, if you're not going to give chemo, you know, some general practitioners give chemo, some don't. And so if you're going to refer, I can tell you a lot of times owners come to see me and they don't want to give chemotherapy, but, or they'll tell the general practitioner, I'm not going to give chemo. But then by the time they come to see me two to three days later, they're willing to give chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. you know, weekly for six months. And it's just getting over the the myths and misconceptions about chemotherapy in dogs. Yeah. I, I totally hear that. The, the knee jerk, I'm not giving my dog chemo. Um, it's almost an emotional response, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Okay. So, but we should, I mean, do you want to back up and talk about what tests Yeah, yeah do? I do. Okay, cool. Wait, wait, so, let's so, get, let's get practical. I just, I just, I just feel like there's so many, like, you know, you, owners that hear chemotherapy, hear lymphoma, and they kind of shut down. And so I think it's really important, like we talk about like how much time they'll get without treatment, but also like that chemo is really well tolerated and a month versus a year is such a significant, and I have dogs that are out two years, dogs that are out three years and dogs that are out much longer. So, you know, survival times are not expiration dates. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I want to tip these people off 
uh, about what they can expect if they exactly. go to the oncologist. So let, let's so let's start with that because they're going to go, what's going to happen if I go to the oncologist? What are they going to ask of me? And we don't need to get deep, deep in the weeds, but I need to I need to have enough of a of a understanding and some words to communicate that to so that they can make an informed decision about whether they're, whether they're going or not. And it won't feel like a complete mystery. So can you walk me through that? Yeah. And I think what's really important for a lot of clients and, you know, veterinarians when we're deciding whether or not to make a referral is that I always say it's an obligation-free appointment to collect information. It's not a commitment to have to treat, right? So you don't, you can go see an oncologist, you can go talk to a surgeon about a TPLO without having to decide to do the procedure or to do it. You can just go and get the information. The thing with lymphoma that's so stressful is that it is a rapidly moving cancer. So if a dog has a soft tissue sarcoma, I tell the owners to take a couple of weeks to make a decision, right? But lymphoma is rapidly moving and that's the one that I want to see that week. So if you're seeing that appointment on Monday or Tuesday, I'd like it to see the oncologist by the end of the week. Okay. Um, Greta's feeling well, so she has a little bit more wiggle room, but you know, the ones that are not feeling well for their lymphoma, we want to get in, especially in the next day or two, because okay. they can really start to not feel well more quickly. Okay. Um, so it is one that you want to encourage the owners to make a decision rapidly um, and get in to see an oncologist pretty quickly. So that's you know, one of the things that we emphasize is that this is a, a disease that it moves quickly. You want to, you know, make your decision. You know, I tell the owners, like, we'll start chemotherapy that day if they're ready to make the decision. So it's helpful for you to share that information. This is a rapidly moving cancer. We don't want you to feel rushed, but we do want you to, you know, start to collect the information and make a decision sooner rather than later. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a cancer that you can't cut out. We always tell people, you know, chemo is going to be the treatment of choice and the chemotherapy protocols are, are and I, 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 you know, I hate this word, but it's true. They, they're intense. They're weekly for five months. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the best chemotherapy protocol that the multi-agent chemotherapy protocols. And that's the one where, you know, pet owners are going to get the most, um, the best survival times, the 90 to 95% remission rates and the median survival times of, you know, 13 to 14 months. So the higher, you know, survival times um, and also the higher cost, you know. And so for a golden retriever, depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, I'm in the metro New York area, you know, it can easily cost $10,000 for that protocol I have a you know a colleague that works in the Midwest and it will cost you know probably five to six thousand dollars. So it really depends on the part of the country that you're in. So it can be really expensive, and this is where pet insurance definitely helps, or care credit you know can help pet owners as well, which is a separate conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely. you know they do really help owners. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about lymphoma is that, you know, there are plan B protocols. So I, you know, and that's a really nice thing to tell owners for you to tell owners, you know, is that you're going to go talk to the oncologist. They're going to talk to you about, you know, the best protocol, but then there are protocols where you can go in every three weeks and the response rates are a little bit lower. So, you know, for, a dog with B-cell lymphoma, instead of doing a multi-agent weekly protocol, we could do the new drug Tenovia okay. and alternate that with doxorubicin or just single-agent doxorubicin every three weeks. Um, and those, 
usually have about an 80, 80% response rate, you know, okay. so that's going to be a little bit lower, but less expensive and less yep. visits. Okay. Um, uh, for T cell lymphoma or even B cells that's less expensive, we might do single agent lomustine. And so the nice thing is when I always tell veterinarians and pet owners is that it's not all or none. It's not multi-agent chemotherapy protocol, prednisone or no treatment. We can work with the family, work with the budget, decide what tests to do, decide what protocols to do, and really work with the family to figure out what's gonna be best for their budget and their schedule. And, and I do that on an individual basis and really just find something that works for them. Jamie, tell me about your, your favorite cat. Um, you're not supposed to have favorites, but I do. Her name is Calico Jack, and she's missing her upper uh, and her lower canines. Um, and she's just a delight. Uh, Calico Jack and the rest of your crew all drink from the Filacqua uh, water system, correct? They do. I like to... Tell me about it. I, I love it. It's a smart system. So every time the cats come up, it registers their microchip and it tells me how much they've had to drink in a given period of time. So I can make sure that none of them are drinking too much or drinking too little. Yeah, the uh, Falaqua is from Sure Pet Care as part of their connected ecosystem. Guys, uh, this has been something that uh, Jamie and I have gotten to play with for the last couple of months, and it is super cool. Uh, we know that water intake is a huge flag for uh, for disease and uh, illness in our feline patients, and we want to stay on top of it, and we want pet owners to know uh, what their cat is drinking. This is a great approach to it. If you want to learn more, head over to surepetcare.com slash water. That's surepetcare.com slash water. I'll put the link in the show notes. Hey, everybody. I just want to jump in here with a couple quick announcements. Uh, number one on my list is over at the Uncharted Veterinary Conference side of the house. My friend, practice management goddess Stephanie Goss is going to be doing her workshop on pay scales. It's called She Works Hard for the Money. It is on September the 1st. It is a two-hour workshop. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for more information. This is all about setting up pay scales in your practice, setting them up and rolling them out to the team. And so it is a wonderful workshop. Um, I personally think this is really important. I think this is where we're going as an industry. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to do this. Even if you're not actively working on pay scales, I really think these are good skills for you to have because I really do think you're going to see more and more of our practices going this way and having this type of laid out structure for paying our employees. So anyway, it is uh, it is a great workshop, September the 1st, $99 to the public, free to Uncharted members. And on October the 21st through the 23rd, Uncharted's virtual culture conference is going on. That's right. It's all about leading for culture. So want to work on positivity in your practice? Want to help boost morale? Want to lead tired, uh, exhausted people? Uh, this is what it's all about. It's about making your practice a wonderful place to work. It is virtual, so you don't even have to get on a plane. It doesn't matter what the Delta variant does. You can watch from home. We also are doing buy two, get one free. Why are we doing that? We're doing that because when we work on culture and practices, it is so helpful to have more than one person who's like, oh, I was at the thing and I saw the stuff and I know the thing and I'm excited about it. Now you can have three people. You can have your whole leadership team there. Go together, fan out, get the pearls, get excitement, get the enthusiasm from Uncharted that Uncharted is known for, and then bring it back to your hospital together with your leadership team and go to work making your practice a better place to be. Again, that is October 21st through the 23rd. I put the link in the show notes. Guys, I think that's enough. Let's get back into this episode. What diagnostics should, should I be doing today? 
That's a great question. So, you know, in in an ideal world, if you opened up a book, it would tell you to do blood and urine. So CBC chem, urine, don't do everything yet. Chest x-rays, yeah. ultrasound, lymph node aspirate, flow cytometry determine if it has B versus T. Mm-hmm. And the books would also tell you bone marrow, but we don't really bone marrow those. But don't okay. do all those tests because we don't even know if Greta's owners want to treat yet, right? right. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, if the owners think that they want to treat, you're, I would send out the cytology, right? Yep, definitely. That makes and, a ton of sense. And, and then the pathologist they, can give them the diagnosis. Uh, right. I can I can set them up, but uh, the path, but we can wait for the official word. But uh, but yeah, no. And it's probably reasonable to send out a CBC chem urinalysis if they okay. just, you know, it's a golden general health screening just to make sure, you know, that they don't have any other, you know, that they're not anemic, you know, make yeah. sure everything else is okay if they have an inclination that they want to treat. But then talk to them. Like if they think, well, I would treat, you could do some other staging tests, but sometimes it's nice to talk to the oncologist first and figure out what their budget is. Because to yeah. be honest, if I have a case that's on a minimal budget, I'll just do blood, urine, and cytology mm-hmm. and treat off of that and not do the chest x-rays and the ultrasound, you know, and the flow cytometry. Mm-hmm. My next favorite test, if I'm working on a budget, is the flow cytometry because B versus T phenotype is the next most prognostic test. So we know that dogs that have B cell lymphoma do better than dogs that have T cell lymphoma. So mm-hmm. I'll skip chest x-rays unless the dog is having difficulty breathing. I love an ultrasound to see if the liver and spleen are involved, but Mm -hmm. I'd rather know if the dog has B versus T cell lymphoma. So again, you know, you don't need to do $1,500 worth of testing on a dog and then they don't want to treat. So it is interesting. Every once in a while, I'll get a case that's fully worked up, Andy, and the owners Mm -hmm. don't want to treat. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's always my fear is to burn up all the resources on diagnostics so that we can't actually treat. I'm, I'm always aware of that. Oh, worried about that. How, how um. Right. How, so you need to ask Greta's owners, what are, what do they think they want to do? And maybe they don't know yet. So if they right. don't know, you know, don't, you know, you, like you said, you don't want to spend their budget on diagnostics and have nothing left to yeah. treat. Can, can I get some reasonable staging information from uh, Chester abdominal radiographs? I mean, do I often do Chester? So if the dog's not coughing, is a happy dog. Um, is it often that I'm going to see metastasis of the chest that makes me think uh, we, you know, that, that affects my decision about referral or not? Chest radiographs, in my opinion, for lymphoma are, are sort of low yield. The things okay. that you're looking for in the chest would be lymph nodes. So... Sternal lymph nodes, mediastinal lymph node, pleural fluid. You're not looking for lung nodules the way you right. are with other cancers. Okay. Um, so chest radiographs come after abdominal imaging for me because you're more likely to see liver and splenic involvement. But again, I'd rather know if it's B versus T with phenotyping Gotcha. than I would chest radiographs. How expensive Unless the is- dog is coughing. Right, right, totally makes sense. How uh, how expensive is flow cyte- flow cytometry for uh, B versus T? I I haven't. I don't think I've run that test. Uh, not recently, anyway. Um. So we send it. Uh, Colorado State is one of the main places that runs it. Um. I think NC State runs it as well. It's a couple hundred dollars, with depending on how much you mark it up. But okay. so it's it's comparable to an ultrasound, to be honest. Okay. So, okay. you know, I would pick the ultrasound. 
I mean, I would pick the flow cytometry over the ultrasound when I'm trying to, for prognostic information, because again, it changes your, your prognosis significantly and it changes how I treat the, based on the chemotherapy protocol. Yeah. Okay, cool. If they do not want to go for referral, um, you know, I think, I think most of us in, in general practice has treated these dogs with prednisone. What are your thoughts on that? Is that viable? How should I do that? Should I send this dog home with pred today or should I wait until they start to show some behavioral symptoms? Uh, walk me through that thought process. Okay, so that is a great question. So in my opinion, two, two, two things I want to stress about this. Okay. If the owners definitely do not want to treat, the dog should get prednisone, but not today, Andy. Okay. And the reason I say that is I have had so many owners over the years and I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's not true. But. Well, I'm let me just say I'm older than you and I'm experienced, but I have seen so many owners tell their veterinarian like you on day one, I will never treat my dog for lymphoma. I will never poison. They say this literally, I will never poison my dog with chemo. Mm -hmm. And then they go home with steroids because their dog's lymph nodes are huge. And a lot of times the dog wasn't feeling well. And then they get the steroids and the lymph nodes go away and they go, oh my God, this works. And then they come in and they want to do chemo. And the problem is steroids make chemo less effective. Mm -hmm. And I can still give chemo, but why, why put the dog at risk of not getting that, that chance at a great response? Mm -hmm. So especially a dog like Greta, who's feeling really, really well, hold off on a day or two, let them absorb all this overwhelming information and let them come back a couple of days after they've talked about it, they've done their research, and they've really thought about it. And if they call you at the end of the week and say, you know what, Dr. Andy, we really thought about it. Chemo's not the thing for us. You can prescribe PRED. You can call it into the pharmacy. They can come back in and pick it up from you. And then you know that they've really made that thoughtful decision. But then, yeah. yes, absolutely let them get their prednisone. One of the questions I often get, like, let's say Greta wasn't feeling well today. Mm -hmm. She wasn't eating and she was just, you know, feeling a little bit punky with those big lymph nodes. I and the question I get is, well, I want to give her Pred to help her eat. Let's try Serenia. Let's try Entice and still give them a couple of days to absorb the information gotcha. and then give her Pred at the end of the week. If she was having difficulty breathing, you know, like, you know, if the ER vet says, well, she couldn't breathe because those big mandibular lymph nodes were like her neck was extended and she was having difficulty breathing. I want to give her some injectable PRED. Yes. Never, you know, not use PRED in that situation. Mm -hmm. But the dog that's not eating, use Serenia, use Entice to get them to eat. Just hold off on PRED if you at all can, because it has been shown to make chemo less effective. Um, and I get those dogs that have been on PRED for two weeks, and then they come in, and they're like, I've changed my mind. I want to do chemo. Um, people change their mind. They really, really do. They tell mm -hmm. you absolutely they would never give chemo, and they change their mind on us. Gotcha. Um, I think I have what I need to go have this conversation. Are there any last pearls, words of wisdom, any advice that you want to give out about uh, lymphoma specifically? I think just that it is, I know this is going to sound weird. I always say weird things. Lymphoma is one of my favorite cancers to treat and also mm -hmm. one of my least favorite cancers because it's so rewarding. The dogs feel so good and the owners are so happy. And I've seen so many owners say, oh, I just, 
you know, I won't treat. And then they're so happy with their dog's quality of life. And the reason I hate it is because eventually they succumb to it. But so many owners are just so happy with that they treat it. And I think it's just hard for them to know that at that first appointment when you're sitting with Greta's family. Mm -hmm. So you've got a ton of resources online. You do a lot of stuff online. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? Uh, I think, you know, the best set of resources that I really have right now are my YouTube channel. And I have a whole set of videos on lymphoma specifically and chemotherapy side effects um, and chemotherapy safety for the family. And it's really meant for the veterinarian to have a resource to give those owners when the owners are overwhelmed. So my YouTube channel, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but I think for veterinarians, I would encourage you to check out my YouTube channel and use those videos in situations like this to give owners information. All right, great. I'll put a link to your YouTube channel down in the show description. Thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that is our episode. Guys, before we go, I just want to give you a quick heads up. If you have not checked out this week's Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, it is a good one. What do you do if and when you have staff who are misbehaving and just flat out telling you, uh, you can't live without us. You can't hire anybody and we know it. And so we're going to show you our bums and you're going to just have to deal with it. Uh, that is that's so sad. Um, but man, there are practices out there living with that behavior. We got to fix that. That is what Stephanie Goss and I do over on the Uncharted Podcast this week. I hope you'll head over and check it out. You can get the Uncharted Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Gang, take care, be well, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.